Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Star Wars Minute. It's your daily podcast where we analyze, we scrutinize, and we celebrate solo a Star Wars story one combative minute at a time. I'm Alex Robinson from alexrobinson.fun. I'm Pete the Retailer from PeteTheRetailer.com. And I'm Chrysanthi Tan from ChrysanthiTan.com and Star Wars Music Minute. Closing where out the we week. do music stuff related to Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I'll also say I have a Patreon and a Discord server. Mm-hmm. So we got to get a Discord server. If I server. remember, I will remember to plug that today when this comes out. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for closing out the week with us. We made it to Friday. Hey, um, it's Friday. Minute Friday starts off with um, Captain Munbrin answering the million dollar question Your name should be Han. Solo. Oh, I get it. Uh, And a minute later with Corporal Corporal Han Solo awestruck at the coolness of a silhouetted figure he sees killing a bunch of guys. Mm. So uh, this is probably the biggest time jump we've had in a minute so far where we we did this two years later. But before we do that, Chrysanthi, please uh, bless us with the reading of the novelization for this minute. Oh, yeah. This is tough because there's going to be a lot to skip. So, um, okay. (laughs) I'll start at the beginning of the sentence. Han, dot, 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 solo, approved, proceed to transport ID-83 for the Naval Academy at Corita. Solo, it would do as well as any other name. Better, maybe, as it described him pretty well. He looked back at the gate one last time, at Corellia and his old life, He turned his back on it and headed through the turnstile and down the tunnel to the shuttle that would get him finally off this planet. Good luck, Han Solo, the officer said as he departed. We'll have you flying in no time. Mm. And then there's like this scene that is giving Han Solo a demerit Uh and stuff. I was going to talk about that. Oh, so this must be a deleted scene, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Pete, you want to jump in with the deleted scene? Well, I don't don't have it here if you want to. I mean, oh. Is is it available to watch? Is it mm-hmm. an extra? Yeah. Oh, okay. I just haven't done that. It's well filmed. Yeah, yeah filmed and and you know just one of those things where like they didn't really do the effects. It's like previs effects, but then the live action is is, oh, filmed is there music? And, and uh, I don't know. Okay. Is this Han Solo okay. in the Tie Fighter? Yes. Okay. And Sergeant Tri Tri Triosa Brug Brug, um, basically. They're saying, it's his flight record, sir. He's useless at everything, except that when we get him in a ship, he's, well, I've never seen anyone with his reaction time or innovative problem-solving skills. 
Hmm. He must have Jedi reflexes. Oh, mm. no. Start that. <laughs> Captain Wayne looked at the file again. You say innovative problem-solving skills, but here you wrote down reckless and responsible for one, possibly two, destroyed fighters. How can one possibly wreck a fighter? Blah, blah, blah. Basically, other recruits want to follow his tricks. He's he, Basically, they're complimenting, but also saying there's a good news and bad news. The good news is he's kind of Han Solo-ish. He's like reckless, but is like good at stuff. But on the bad side, he's reckless, but is good at stuff. And other people are also trying to copy him. So um, then the Empire had no room for rebels, after all, is how that section ends. Mm. So Yeah, it's different than the... The the filmed one has it just cuts straight from um I'm I'm assuming that the 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 final line of uh, of Captain Munbrin was not originally in there because it, it cuts I'm assuming it would cut from him being signed up, him saying he wants to be a pilot, then cut to Han in and we see it's a, it's an odd, you know, the, these kind of um we've seen it a little bit with the I think the clone trooper helmets that have the little face cut out and it's a similar kind of thing where it's a TIE fighter pilot, but with the face cut out. So you just, you can see that it's him, which I don't like that. I think just have him, you can have, you can give us some kind of other visual cue there, but I I don't like, oh, we're, we're just going to take the thing that you know, but we're going to cut the face out so you can see that it's the movie star. You know what I mean? But, uh, Oh, is that what they did? Yeah, basically. Um, and uh, so it cuts to him kind of in a TIE fighter, piloting a TIE fighter, and it, and it's, you know, he's kind of coming in, you know, damaged and, and barely limping along at high speed, if that makes sense, and kind of crashes it into the hangar. And uh, then from there, it goes to a tribunal where he's uh, he's being berated by uh, Commodore Almudin, Almudin, Commodore Almudin. On the Commodore Almaden. not appearing in this film. <laughs> um, and uh, they're that that they basically take him to task. They're like, "Hey, you you you're dangerous." And he's like, "But I saved you know so and so like Onyx One or whatever the the other." And uh, says something about, uh, "Oh, you're you're either incredibly brave or incredibly stupid." And he's like, "Honestly, I think it's a little bit of both." And uh, then. They say, all right, well, you're busted down to, you know, you, you've, we're revoking your status and you're going to have to go serve in the infantry. And he's like, for how long? Like, you know, when, when, when can I fly again? And then that scene ends with him saying like, oh, you'll be, don't worry, you'll be flying real soon or something like that. Oh. Then cut to the exact same, like in the cut scene that you can watch, it, it leads, it shows you where that goes. And that leads into Han Solo flying through the air yeah, um, on Mimban. So that's like a few pages. Like they cut out a, a lot. Yeah. What they yeah, definitely cut out a lot cuz here they're saying the Wayne and Brug are saying like let's demote him or take away his flight privileges for a week. Uh if if he improves reinstate him if not send him to a place we can use a reckless soldier who doesn't follow orders and then there's another scene which is what you said where they're like but Onyx blah 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 talking about Onyx and Han actually liked Onyx too blah 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 whatever two pages about Onyx three pa- two <laughs> two pages about Onyx Slam. and then there's another it, scene it, about it. Commodore Almaden mm. um and the some tribunal cadet solo are you brave or stupid I'm a little both that's another page and a half yeah so all that cut and and for, from what uh, again so let's go to the uh 
Let's go to the Kazdan. Um, according to that, that that was that was another thing that was kind of in there early on that they really wanted um to include for a long time. Um, they were, thank you. They were um really fighting to keep that Han Han in the academy, um, and training as a pilot, and they really they really wanted that to be in there. But then eventually they were like, I guess it is. They say ultimately it was a, always a hindrance to the flow of the story, which consistently felt like it didn't really take off until Chewie arrived in the movie. And I, I, I don't know. I kind of depends on what you mean by the story, but, um, but uh, interestingly, so this is so this happens, I guess, at uh, uh, Karida, which is the the Imperial Academy at Karida, Imperial Naval Academy at Karida. Um, and so in this scene with the, with the hearing, with the tribunal, um, apparently we also at that point would have seen, um, Tag and Bink from the comic book, Tag and Bink are dead. Um, which was, uh, was a, a, would we, how would we, would we have known would they have said Tag, Bink? I don't know. It says, move that MacGuffin to the third act. Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, it is. It was. It was a good. It, it's kind of like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Uh, hence the title. Where or there's these two guys who I, I think it starts out as they're stormtroopers or they're rebels in the very beginning of of Star Wars, and then they basically kind of bumble their way through all the movies. That they're always guys in the background, basically throughout the whole thing. Like they they're like, oh, let's get out of here. Let's put on these stormtrooper outfits, and then they become, okay, you know, then. They're like Easter eggs in various media. Kind of. I mean, it's it's like in this one comic, they basically tied together a bunch of background characters and said they were the same guys, and it was done for comedy. Oh. And oh, okay. Um, and so then, as a nod to that, they were going to throw them in in here. Um, but they um eventually that whole scene got cut. So, what do you think of them cutting out the training? I can go back and forth i can see they wanted to just get to you know because they have more of the story later that the sooner we can get him to essentially the rest of that story you know uh, i, I, I get it but also like it, it, you know what it would have added you know a couple of minutes and i i think it's i don't know i think it would have been good it, just to see han solo in a tie fighter would have been worth it i think but again, don't think not some... with his face cut out. That bothers me. So I'm glad the face cut out part is not in there. I would have loved to see. I would have loved if this whole movie was was Han training or something. I I think I am I I'm very cautious about saying I think I I want this to happen in Star Wars because sometimes it does happen and you know and I'm like right. oh I yeah. don't know if I yeah. maybe I should be careful more. So usually when they give us what we want, we're disappointed. So yeah. it's yeah. always good to yeah. throw us curveballs. So. I am more. I am interested in knowing more about training. That's my bias with Star Wars. Is I'm always interested in the training process of whatever Jedi or or other stuff. Um, I think people. I think there. When it comes to whether something will take too much away from the story, or we got to keep the flow of the story along, like you said, Pete. I think it depends on how you're defining story, right. because a lot of the time, so when people talk about story, they're talking about plot specific types of plot events and 
that's how like when shows come out, some people will say like, oh, this episode's filler or whatever. Um, I mean, I, I, I do think that people have different orientations in terms of like storytelling, whatever, what kinds of storytelling people like. So I think a lot of people would agree. I'm the type of person who doesn't really care about events in a, I don't know, events in an obstacle course, like moving on to the next event. I would prefer to linger in a place and get more emotionally on board with get more invested in something because that taking the time to like, if I'm on board, if, if I'm emotionally on board, which is not easy to do, then you can throw almost any, it's like immunity almost Mm. to, to plot holes. It's immunity to like other things. But if I'm not on board and you're throwing me and I feel thrown from one event to another and, and I'm not sold emotionally, then my brain is just doing overtime, trying to put this together, trying to justify everything as we go along, trying to be like, okay, no, that's okay. Like it, there's this whole other like noise in my head going on. That's like more of trying to understand it from a logical perspective. But I think that's why this film, I struggle with this film. It's not, I don't think it's bad. Um, I don't even know what that means. It's just that it did, since it didn't grip me, I can't even consider it in the same way that I view other films because it's not just checkboxes of like, it did this well, it did this well, it did this well. Oh, if it didn't get me on board emotionally, then I will not be able to look at this from the same lens at all. And so the whole film is just going to be tainted by that. Like people always say, this film may not be their favorite Star Wars, but they it's fun. They enjoy it. I don't even think this is fun to watch. Hmm. I don't like from a I enjoy it in the way that like because I care about Star Wars and the history of Star Wars and the world of Star Wars, I will do it just like I have just, you know, be a good citizen, take my history class. Like that's the nature that I watch this movie. I don't I don't have fun watching it. Um and that's but I'm also not the someone who watches heist movies for fun. I don't think those movies are fun at all. Um, and so I think if it were in a genre that, you know, like Encanto, okay, that's a movie that I didn't think was earth shatteringly brilliant, but I had fun watching it because I think I'm more, maybe more well-versed in that genre or I was able to like appreciate certain things about it. Um, but because I don't have like that to fall back on with this genre, it just, it just, it doesn't work i'm not like at least i'll enjoy a fun heist movie because i don't watch heist. i don't like heist movies right. in general or war movies for that matter so that's yeah don't know how we got on that subject but i would have liked <laughs> to see the training and it could have tied yeah. in more with like some of the novels too if you know I, disney's always trying to tie stuff in like i never really cared about imperial training until the, the novel lost stars by claudia gray hmm, that, that follows up. imperial officers in training and like that you know, the work, the work that some of the people novels are doing, I don't know, it could have, this could have been like, could have seen a little bit more of that world. Instead, all we have still with regard to the empire in film is caricatures of what we think the empire is and go straight to battle, skipping all that. I don't know. Just my thoughts. Um, I, I almost (laughs) feel like if there was a, um, you know, we we've brought up the idea. In addition to this being a musical, we've also brought up the idea of this being a television like series, right? Uh, so I almost feel like if if they had gone that route, I definitely feel like they could have done like an episode about him 
training and meeting other recruits and so on like that. It could have had all sorts of opportunities for crossovers and things like that. To, you know, oh, look, it's young Wedge here in the academy <laughs> with me or whatever. But I'm not saying I want to see that. But no. um, the young Wedge I, adventures. I guess in the His context of. would have impacted him for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, he could have. He would met, have new relationships. What was his wife's name again? Stella Solo or something? From the. Uh, they, they, oh, Sanastaros? Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um, Big family. Yes. Um, um, anyway. Well, but let, now, if I can bring this up again, now we, now we really do get the Imperial March. Now we're on Mimban. Mimbam. Mimbam. Big band. Munbrin to Minbam. Bim bam boom. Minbam. Yeah, I do. I like how, I like the transition. I liked the musical transition there. I think, well, when Solo was getting his name, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's getting anointed. Um, we have his heroic theme kick in, mm. um, which is like, um, Right. And then Oops. Oh. What am I doing? Okay, there it goes. Something like that. And then it it swells and it goes straight into the with a little bit of like night on bald mountain strings in the background. Do you know what I mean? Mm. When I Do you know does that ring a bell? Yeah. So for those who don't know what Night on, Night on Bald Mountain is, it's a piece by Mazorkski and it's frequently played around Halloween Town. I think it's in Fantasia, too. And um, It's the precursor to Night on Disco Mountain. It has, like, it features, like, these chromatic violin. The, it, it features fast chromatic lines that are often used in Star Wars and other media. It's kind of like not a it's kind of like a trope of a type of musical thing to reference i don't know it's, it's like you know what I mean? something like that right that's not exactly how it is on in night and ba- night on bald mountain but it is it might be in ride of the valkyries too but um it's sort of like these fast chromatic like string violin stuff while while brass blare out like some greater melody over mm-hmm. it. It like think of like in Apocalypse Now do, 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 type of thing too. I don't know. This is a very it, it's very on it's very um it's not uncommon to see that like in a war context. So here it it, it follows a in a long tradition of a long line of other things here. They're being shot at, they're like dodging in trenches and we hear the imperial march with the string chromatics in the background um yeah it, it all i can say is yeah it it makes sense it fits it's not unexpected it's right yeah thematically appropriate yeah mm-hmm. which is good and i like this uh, again where it's Back to dark. Everything's hard to see. It's a little, it's like a brown, reddish brown wash over everything now instead of a blue wash over everything. But it's still hard to see what's yeah. going on. We had a blue wash. We had a kind of grayish wash. And now we have like a 
a sepia-ish watch. Yeah, brown. Yeah. Um, but it I works just, with that. Like so, like the 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 contrast between both the imagery and the 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 music of the recruitment poster of just like, hey, be a part of something, join the empire, yeah? and then cut to the contrast of you know the actuality of it with the imperial yeah. march the which more is is the kind of less hyperbolic one the the that we that we've heard before and it's and while he's you know literally in the mud here um it's a good yeah good, it works it works yeah it's like instagram versus reality yeah or, there you or, go <laughs> type of thing fight to the death <laughs> sounds happy and patriotic and like just join the school band or whatever and then it's like oh yeah we didn't tell you it was actually right See, it's kind of the same. It's kind of like what we told you, but <laughs> join the empire. They said, "Be a part of something." They said, <laughs> "Yeah." Um, it's kind of hard. It's it reminds me a lot of like war movies. Like this is this feels very classic war movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I did I tweeted about something about Solo feels very war movie to me, in a way that others in a way more even more than other star wars movies like it feels like it almost in a, in a genre way like i think it is probably um paying homage to a lot of maybe world war ii movies or vietnam war movies possibly maybe in the shooting style like, i don't know i don't know too yeah. much about that i mean th- with this scene specifically once they got minban they were specifically going for um they're kind of referencing evocative of uh paths of glory stanley kubrick movie mm. um with uh, Kirk Douglas, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Douglas, mm-hmm. um, which was a it was a World War One movie, but still, they're going for that that correct vibe of war. But again, this the movie shifts around genres a little bit. Sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. You know, right. originally it was like a it was originally a Dickensian op- tale a little yeah. while ago. Opened as a musical, a musical about orphans, right? And now it's <laughs> a uh, war I'm movie. solo. Uh, maybe are we progressing forward through? So like first we have, first it was like a kind of uh, uh, you know, Victorian Edwardian kind of you know Dickens kind of a thing. Now we're uh, now we're at World War One. We're traveling through, huh. you know, world slash European history. Uh, maybe maybe that's forward in time. Maybe that's like the underlying hmm. premise. It's a subtext. Hmm. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, I have some okay. I have some information about the planet Mimban. 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 Um now, Pete, you mentioned that uh the I don't know, someone along the production of this uh would would look up stuff from Wikipedia specifically to include it. They'd be like, We need the name of a planet that's like this and then and then they would look it up, right? Uh Isn't yeah, that's how they got to um what was the name of the city where they, they just were? The the port city. Well, I yeah. just forgot. Coronet. Coronet City. Coronet. Um because they, they no Coronet City, they on, on Corellia, they were like, Oh, they they go to a port 
and they didn't really have mm. one in the script. They're, then they just went to, I don't know if they went specifically to Wikipedia or if they went to somebody, if they went to Pablo Hidalgo or somebody, they're like, hey, we need a port right. city on, uh, on, on Corellia. And they're like, oh, a uh, coronet city? Well, the planet Mimban, um, Mimban. has been, uh, this is not its first canonical appearance. Mm. It was apparently in an episode of The Clone Wars in which Rex and our old friend Jar Jar Binks had an adventure together on Mimban. Mm. So that was, of course, 22 BBY. That's nine years before uh, we see Han Solo here uh, on Mimban. Uh, but it goes back even farther than that. Apparently, that was one of the names that George Lucas had in the original 1977 script. Uh, mm. Mimban was going to be like a Dagobah-type planet when uh, that was the name that uh, obviously it was dropped before the movie was done. But then our old friend uh, Alan Dean Foster included it in Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the first uh, EU, first ever book to expand on the Star Wars story so uh, first expansion of the universe so it is the very old uh an ancient name mimban hmm. uh there you interesting. go interesting mimban okay. mimban it is fun to say as we know um, i don't know oh. go ahead you have a question or is it different you want to change the subject I was going to say something movie. about Solo, the name, but if we're still talking about Minban, let's stay on this. No, no, let's we can talk about Solo. I was going to change the subject, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Why? <laughs> Solo must not be the only young person signing up for the military who's alone. Mm -hmm. So. Low. But they all have last names. Mm, presumably. I just. I find it hard to believe that this is that unique of a scenario. I, I don't think that it is necessarily. That's why the guy didn't really question it much. He was just like, oh, I need to put in something. So I wonder if there's a bunch of solos running around the galaxy. Oh, could be. That were named by, that got their name from enlisting in the military on their own. Yeah. Without giving a family name. Well, he seems to think about it for a second, which makes you think that he's... It's this, unusual. This is but either either maybe. it's unusual or he's trying to think of a name that he hasn't already given to a thousand different Ooh. different right. uh, people. Or so, he could, came up with it now, and then from here yeah. on in, he just uses that for people that show up. So there, there could be, you know, four other solos from Corellia that happened later. Mm. That's a good story. That's the Let's mail that to uh, the people doing the Star Wars books. I bet when we do the, finally do the um, from a certain point of view about Solo, mm. I'm gonna write the story about um, Munbrin and mm -hmm. how later on he gets in trouble. They're like, "You just gave everyone the name Solo and just let him in. That was it. You didn't have like <laughs> it's paperwork to be done and stuff." And then he's just like, "What can you oh, do?" Well. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of Imperial officers, I got another one here for you. Oh yeah, who's that? Major Staz. Staz. Major Staz. Um S T A Z? S T A Z. Staz. Mm -hmm. Um he's the he's Han Solo's commanding officer here. And he says he's the one who says like Solo, get up. And uh He's another disembodied voice, right? Well, shortly he's a <laughs> absolutely disembodied. Um but uh, I don't know. His mix is a little bit. Maybe because there's so much more going on, it all creates like a like a like a thick layer of sound. So I don't notice it yeah. as much. Um, yeah. But but he yeah he's the one shouting to Han Solo to kind of get up and keep moving, and then he gets blown 
up. Staz. Staz. Yeah. So there's so much happening here. Um, the What's the last thing the Commodore says? He says, oh, we'll have you flying in no time. Yeah. Okay. And then we cut to Han so literally flying through the air. And right. So this is how it's described. This is how it's described. Okay. As soon as Han landed, he understood the play on words the Commodore had used. Imperial mud troopers definitely did fly on Minban. <laughs> I can't continue. Uh, usually after some sort of explosive device had launched them into the air, often in several pieces, they would land splattering mud and not get back up. Hmm. Han flew now, again, luckily still in possession of his limbs. An explosive's shock wave slammed into him, pushing him head over heels backward, the only thing saving him being the trench he stumbled into. Face first, naturally. He looked up, eyes wide, spitting mud. Han still wasn't entirely sure what they were fighting for, or even if they were on the correct side. In theory, they were here to suppress a hostile uprising against the Emperor and bring the peace and prosperity that Imperial support always supplied. But near as he could tell, they were the hostiles that were invading an already peaceful planet. They were probably trying to take the planet for its resources, although Han couldn't guess what the Emperor needed with all this mud. He lay in the trench, panting, coated from head to foot in Minban mud. It was inescapable. He smelled of rot, of blood. It wasn't clean mud. Someone was always getting a skin fungus from the stuff. He finally gathered his senses and sat up, pulling off his partially demolished, mud-covered face guard and goggles. Visibility wasn't much better. The smoke and flame from the battle turned the already dense fog a dismal dark red, making the action just half a click away invisible. Click is spelled K-L-I-C-K, by the way, so I don't, I don't actually know what that means. The Kilometer. enemy could... Thermometer? <laughs> that would be better. Half a thermometer oh. away, isn't it? But uh, oh, yeah. kilometer is usually, often click is, oh. is a shorthand for, for kilometer. Oh. The enemy could and did appear out of the fog, attack them, and then slip back into it. Han had no idea how he'd stayed alive so long. He had seen countless fellow soldiers die on the battlefield. The casualty reports were updated so often that he couldn't even follow. More troop transports arrived every week. More blood for the fields. Still the, still, the Mimbanese and their trenches held off the Imperials. Han figured the dead were the only ones who won this nightmare battle because at least they could stop fighting. However, dying was not the way he wanted to give, win anything. Major Staz gave him a nod. Han had seen the nod before. Staz. It meant, glad you're not dead, rookie. Now get back in here. Your empire needs you. Troopers forward, he shouted. Solo, get up. We're almost there. And so that, that's what we get in the movie. Hadn't he just seen the explosion that sent Han back to the trench? Almost where, he said. Where are we going? The major heaved himself out of the trench and ran forward, calling over his shoulder and pointing. Just over that last ridge. Victory is... Blank. Han ducked as another explosion sounded, dodging the shrapnel. The major hadn't been as lucky as Han had just been, and this one was a direct hit. The man flew into bits. Just as Han had seen happen time and time again, Han ducked back into the trench panting. Still reeling from the first bomb, he felt stunned and confused. He'd lost superiors before and knew quite well that this didn't mean you got to ignore your orders, even though common sense just said you shouldn't head into the place where someone else had just been vaporized. I want to write a novelization of a... Hmm. You of should. A, you should. You should write a spec novelization. Just go back to find a movie that you like that doesn't have a novelization and write the novelization of that. Oh, like uh, The Black Hole. That has a novelization. Oh. I've read it. It's good. Anyway, well, I'll think of one. War okay. is not fun. No. It seems like it would be an interesting set of challenges because you kind of have to, you're, you're limited by what you can do, but, you know, and, but right. I don't know. Yeah. I think it would be an interesting exercise. But you can add so much yeah. where the yeah. movie wasn't maybe doing 
yep. doing it. You did a book that was an adaptation of a story. Yes, so, that's true. Which is the the what was it called? Something Santa Claus? A kidnapped Santa kidnapped Claus. Kidnapped Santa Claus. I'm like, it's not the lost Santa Claus. The kid, What's a kidnapped Santa Claus. It was based on an L. Frank Baum short story. Oh. Uh, the guy who did The Wizard of Oz wrote uh, other books, if you mm-hmm. can believe it. And uh, so it was sort of a uh, adaptation of that. So Cool. Is it a graphic novel? It is a graphic novel, yeah. They approached me and said, hey, w- would you be interested in adapting? I didn't pick it myself. So um, hmm. that is an interesting idea, though. It's a good good way to sell it. Like I I didn't choose to do this. They... <laughs> well, no, it's a it's a very strange it's a very strange short story. So uh, did you enjoy enjoy doing it? Yeah, it was an, it was definitely not a story I ever would have like come up with on my own. So it was that was interesting. Kind of it was more of a fantasy type thing with a lot of you know uh, elves and wizards and stuff like that. So right. uh, did you go super by the book, or did you add in? some extra things no i changed a lot of it, it was really it really was, it was re- it was like basically written for a child in who lived in that 1897 so the like to make it interesting for kids today i kind of i felt like i had to include a lot cool. more stuff in it so hmm. um i mean the, sto- the story's only like 15 pages or something and i had to turn that into 60 pages or 80 pages or something i don't remember but anyway we're here to talk about solo not my right not my uh um, but yes, then it, well, at, at, at the end of this, we see the kind of the heroic silhouettes mm-hmm. of who knows who looks like Star Lord to me, kind of <laughs> someone with a southern drawl, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I want to point out two things I learned from the Wikipedia. We did have the time jump mentioned. We go from we're from thirteen BBY to now we are ten BBY. Okay. Uh, and I know what you're wondering what what was going on in the galaxy in 10 BBY. Oh, not sure. not a lot because this is kind of an unexplored, um, you know, this imperial era is kind of not really. We don't have a lot of stories set mm. during this time. Um, but two things that were noted. Um, it was in this year that uh, Jabba the Hutt hired uh Black Cristan to track oh. down Obi Wan Kenobi. Hmm. who I guess Jabba the Hutt thinks is is alive or knows he's alive at that point. So I don't know if this is is going to be kind of a preview of the adventures we're going to see on Tatooine. Um, Hmm. But uh, also that year, a song was released, speaking of Star Wars music, called Vader's Many Prosthetic Parts. Wait a minute. Have you discovered a... Novelty song within the Star Wars <laughs> universe canon. I, you know, I didn't make the connection, but yes, apparently I have. Um, it was a song released by a musical group uh, entitled Hacko Draslip and the Tootle Fruits. <laughs> they released a song called Vader's Many Prosthetic Parts, Hacko Draslip and the Tootle Fruits. And uh, Vader was. They must have been. They must have lived on the outer. They they're they're Tatooine based, right? It does not say. It does not say where they Let's are see. based here. I don't. I wouldn't want to be on imperial mm. territory and have that song. Well, you know what? You're right because they were caught, we, and where were they sent to? The spice mines of Kessel. Oh Aww. my god! Which means they could very well be there when Han Solo is mm. there later on. So we'll have to we keep our eye open. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we we'll have to look Hopefully for them. Hopefully, we get serenaded. For a hacko draslip. 
and the Tootle Fruits. <laughs> Are you looking this I guess- up? I am. I'm li- apparently, this is all from Heir to the Jedi hmm. by Kevin Hearn. Oh, so it's it's Legends. No, it's canon. It's it's uh, Heir, Heir to, to the, the Jedi, Jedi is from um, 2015. Oh. Um, originally intended to be a Legends novel series. Oh, intended Wait, originally that... intended for the Legends novel series Star Wars: Empire and Rebellion, but it was published as a standalone story after the continuity relaunch. I thought the first star. Okay, interesting. I thought Master and Apprentice was the first canon novel. Uh, yeah, I, it wasn't the first. It came out after, but it was it was oh. pushed. It was originally going to be it, it, another one that bridged the gap, but it yeah. wasn't. Didn't come out first. Um, well, I'm glad this song exists. It's interesting to me because it implies that the that the galaxy as a whole knows that Vader has prosthetic. That's parts. true. Yeah, not only do That's they know true. that he exists and who he is, but they know that he's. Hmm. So maybe the song was a, was meant to be a joke, but they didn't realize how true it was. Hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, that must be. Must be. I I don't know. Is it Anakin's? Does is he? Does he? Does he care if people know he has prosthetic parts? I don't know what people's attitudes towards prosthetics, other than the mods. I don't know. Well, what, I don't think any. I don't think he wants anyone really knowing much about his suit situation. So that must have been his, very. Uh, Upsetting. Maybe. Perhaps. I mean, certainly anything that could remotely tie him back to Anakin. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Do you think he's like, well, what do I do? I don't want to Barbara Streisand it and and tell them to take, because then the more I call attention to it, it's just going to have more people wanting to listen to it. No, so. I think he just kills them. <laughs> but, the, but, but the song, them. I mean, does he... Uh, it's probably. out there. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. I am... I think his people make sure he doesn't hear it. I'm totally like distracted. I can spend a lot of time here in the Wikipedia category page for songs. I have something to say about Han Solo. There's so many. Han Solo. Oh, right. From this movie. The fact that he has like this movie make try. Okay. This movie is meant to show us how Han Solo got to where he is in many ways. We see a lot of these transition points. We see a lot of formative mm-hmm. moments, you know, getting the Falcon, getting Chewie, like these things get checked, all these boxes get checked off. And I guess maybe we're supposed to be like, oh, that's how we got Chewie. Oh, that's how we got the nickname. That's, oh, that's how we got the Falcon. But I feel like the fact that he, he has seen like this kind of war, like he's, like that's a that's a big deal, right? Like isn't that that's a it seems like a big deal. Like he he's been in this kind of warfare, like he's been in infantry, like yeah. I just feel like that's glossed over. I feel like it's I don't know. I I feel like it's maybe a little bit glossed over or like I'm not sure I I I'm not sure how to like rectify what's going on here with with the Han Solo that I with the Han Solo that I I don't want to say no but like right I feel like I would have maybe wanted again I don't know if I actually want this but I don't know just something about maybe maybe something about like making such a big deal of introducing Chewie and Solo and the Falcon and all that Maybe that is just clouding my judgment here. 
where it's like, I don't think I needed to see that, but, but damn, I just realized he has been an infantry. Like he, my brother was in the, my brother was in the army, like something like that, something like this being shot out at, like seeing people being blown up in front of you, like more so than fighting, like flying around a starship. That's all, of course its own thing too. But like this, this Mimban stuff is really gruesome. Like, yeah, this is like really in your face. Like Han went through that. Damn. Yeah. Which is also why, you know, I think that plays into why he's hesitant to get involved and he's, you know, no imperial entanglements, all that stuff that, you know, like. Why he can't maintain an adult relationship. Well, that too. Yeah. While he's always kind of on the run. Well, it's interesting because Star Wars always has kind of a weird, like, like if you look at it, incredibly traumatic things happen to all the characters in Star Wars. Princess Leia's whole family, her whole planet is blown up. Luke gets his hand cut off by his father. Luke Luke sees his uh his aunt and uncle, who are basically his parents. He sees their corpses laying there on fire at the uh, at the so. But you kind of almost have to just be like, okay, and then they just move, they just move past it for the sake of the story. Like you could totally do a story about the trauma of witnessing horrible things in a war. Um. But like, then you can't. Then you can't also make it a lighthearted story about him wisecracking his way across the galaxy and so on. So, right. Um, That's a fair point. I will also say that I think the music impacts how we take these scenes, though, because right. a lot of the times, like if we think of the original trilogy, when something big happens, like I don't know, Obi Wan gets killed, or like even Luke sees the his aunt and uncle burning at the homestead, the music sort of takes us. It doesn't play this really scary imperial march with right of the with night on bald mountain like this is like the most gloomy this is the most like doom ridden music you could play for this Mm -hmm. type of war type of scene and in those other scenes it's sort of like we see something really really awful but we have this like underscore that takes us to a more that kind of pulls us out of the moment enough to make us not too uncomfortable you know it kind of takes us back to this mythic place yeah um you know like it'll bring up the it brings up the force theme when he's looking at his aunt and uncle burn and it swells and everything and when obi-wan dies like leia's theme kicks in and it's like still frenetic and everything but it has this like different i can't put my finger around what exactly it is but the music feels less on the nose tragedy tragedy doom gloomy gloomy it's it's more like okay we'll lift you up like it kind of there's a certain majesty kind of, to it do you know what i mean like it kind of we see horrible things and then the music kind of helps us re- reminds us that like it's it's going to be okay or like or i don't it's, know it's it's it almost like operatic us. where it's so like almost like making it less real it's more like yeah uh, it takes us back to the fantasy yeah, like it's right. whereas the 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 combat scenes here are very like realistic combat scenes, and like you said, the music is very scary and and realistic too. It's not, I don't know. It's the music how in not in this, but in like other tragic things that we see in Star Wars. The music, I feel like it, it immediately gets us to step outside and and take it in poetically. Mm-hmm. And here, it's like so much realism you know in movie terms it's like right. more realistic yeah. and the music is also more realistic with like no this sucks there's no there's not going to be some like 
nice. There's not going to be some hopeful or some like mythical. There's it. We're just getting this really grim thing here. This is just. This is the. It's gritty. It 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 is gritty. It and not in the Robert Rodriguez Book of Boba gritty way. <laughs> this is gritty. Put the war in Star War. Yeah. This yeah as it really does. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyone else have anything else for minute number 15 they want to get off their chest? Or, Chrysanthi, anything you want to get off your chest about Solo in general? Any um, any other characters you wish you'd be gotten to comment on or things you're glad you didn't have to comment on? <laughs> well, um, I am going to make a comment about L3. Mm. Okay. And that is... I am not a fan of the L3 stuff hmm. in this movie. Um, C-3PO is still my favorite droid. Mm-hmm. And I think the nine, Number. what's it called? Episode films. I think the droids there are droids that I like more. And the droids in Solo and Rogue One are droids that I am not as fond of in Star Wars. Mm. They feel so human and funny to me in a way that is like the droids in the other films, BB-8, even R2, C-3PO, any of the other ones, they feel like they are funny. It's not that they're not funny. They're funny. They're charming. They're unique. They have their own pluses and minuses and their own skills and functions and whatever. And sure, L3 and K2SO are the, also have their own unique functions, but they're also just kind of funny. They're also just humans that are just like a little bit stronger and more powerful and in droid form and funny. They're like little comedians. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes it to a level that is, for me, I don't appreciate it. I think some other people appreciate it. For me, I don't appreciate. I don't like it. I don't like the droid rights stuff. I think it's very silly, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's cringy, <laughs> and I think it is or, not globally cringy. But like, I cringe when I hear the droid rights stuff and see L three being like such a caricature of like an activist for like droid rights. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, I have way too many thoughts about AI that I won't get into. But like, in general, the like anthropomorphization, like the human, anth- like the, the human centric design of some droids in star wars to be like these funny human whatever is kind of for me missing the point of like how unique these droids can be in a way that is not just that they can speak basic and like they're all funny and they're all have like a sassy personality and and whatever like i think i think that's i i don't i hope i don't i don't like that too much and i think it uh yeah i yeah so that's what I'll say about that. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm in the minority on that opinion. But, um, and also in the novelization, L3's inner dialogue is tragic. Like, it's not okay. It's very upsetting. I find it very upsetting, the part where L3 dies, knowing, like, how they try to walk. Like, they haven't decided. I know. I came on last year and talked about sentience. <sighs> <laughs> uh, they can't, I feel like they can't decide, Star Wars collectively, how to treat droids mm-hmm. and sentience still. like. They try to say that, like, like, try to make us feel like droids have sentience and 
that we should care about them and, and that they're doing a good thing by like putting in droids rights type of thing, but then not in other, but then in other ways, like just completely missing the point and then giving us these like mixed messages of like, but we can still enslave, we can still treat droids like this. But then in the novelization, they give L3 this like dialogue, like she doesn't want to become one of the ship. Like she doesn't want to die. She doesn't like, it's so like tragic. If, if I'm to accept that droids are sentient and have like feelings and can feel pain and everything, then the way that L3 dies in the novelization is just so deeply upsetting to me. It's mm. so upsetting and it, it's scary to me. It reminds me of that Black Mirror episode where they're all trapped on that like ship or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm glad I, I'm kind of glad I don't have that those minutes because <laughs> listeners would be very annoyed with me. Right. But yeah, that's instead that's... you get war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is it? Um, for? <laughs> the last last thing I swear is that I had a dream that I was on this podcast um, hmm. <laughs> and I was asking you if teeth count as rocks <laughs> and I huh. and I I don't know why that was coming up for me or if it was relevant but like Jedi teeth I guess like like do our teeth count as rocks like they're mineral they're kind of like minerals right they have <laughs> they have mineral qualities I mean they have hmm. they're made up of calcium which is a right I would say stuff. when they're in your body, they don't. But once they're out, they do. I like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Case closed. I did. I had okay. one. Uh, what not to. Um, I miss. Uh, I skipped over a note before when we were talking about uh, the the Commodore not appearing in this film. He was uh, played by an actor named Ramon uh, Tikaram. And Ramon Tikaram has been in a million things and was apparently... No, we don't know who, but was apparently he was offered a role in the prequel trilogy, um, but declined because he would have had to cut his hair. Hmm, hippie. Now, I, I don't know. A, that's that's bold. Um, Because, like, yeah, hey, you want to be in Star Wars? Sure, you have to cut your hair. Oh, no. Like, that, that's an odd... Um. But but uh, yeah, it, it's it, also like interesting that he had like, I wonder if that was like a revenge, like oh okay, like years later, it's like oh great, you want to how about now? You want to be in Star Wars? You don't have to cut your hair, or maybe he had I don't know, it's hard to tell. And they're like, yeah, sure, all right, like, thanks, no hard feelings, all right. And then they cut his scene, you know, to, <laughs> to like is that uh... if the fact that Solo was cooked up as a revenge scheme would totally <laughs> make sense to me. <laughs> Um, That's great. And I'm trying to see what, let's see, he was born in 1967, so he would have been, you know, in his 30s for the prequel era. Um, So I don't know what- Who was he going to play? I don't know. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, somebody, if it was somebody that they, he would have had to have cut his hair, means he would probably, not just a background Jedi, I don't think, because they would have- Ace Windu. Yeah, I mean, it could have, like, would he? I'm looking at his, um, I don't know. Like, do they think it could have easily, was he a first choice for uh, Django Fett? Or was he a, um, you know, could he have been, I'm trying to think of other characters that he might have been. Or was would he have had to cut his hair to fit into a prosthetic, you know, alien suit or something like that? I think uh, Tarfer is who he was supposed to play. Yeah. 
They when they need to, that's like the the poor Kid Fisto guy where they're like, "You look like an alien with your dreadlocks. Get go go go. You're gonna be in this movie. Go to makeup." And they're like, "Great, we're gonna have to shave your head in order to put the uh, <laughs> dreadlocks on." Okay. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. We'll have to do some more research and see. He was also in Game of Thrones, and also uh, he's been on EastEnders and Jupiter Ascending, which is hmm. anyway. That's all I got yeah. now. I just wanted to, I, that was a note that I had skipped that we were going to talk about. Well, it sounds like we're all wrapped up with minute number 15 and we all wrapped up with Chrysanthi Tan. Thank you for joining us here all week. Uh, people should, of course, check out your Star Wars Music Minute podcast. Uh, and today, if I, if I at least nope. looked at the calendar correctly, if today is March 11th, then it is my birthday and Star Wars Music Minute episode comes out about this same set of minutes wow all right 15 yeah well that's that. great really cool guest so uh, people should jump on the social media and uh, wish you uh happiest of birthdays today mm-hmm. and uh, we've been talking to chrysanthi all week but you know what we really missed what you dear listeners Me? we want you to interact with us and have be a voice on the show so call our number eight day greedo just pick up the telephone mm. do 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 Call 8-Day Greedo, and you will get a you can uh, leave a voicemail there. Uh, tell us what you think about L7. L7, L3? Is that what's hmm. an L3? Or L7. L3, L7, L3. Oh, yeah, L3. I saw L7 in uh... El Camino, any of them. Uh, give us a, give us a call. Let us know what you think about uh, L3 Elite. or uh, Dryden Voss or uh, Empty Nest or any of the characters that are coming up in the movie. So... Go do that, and then come back here on Monday because you know what? We got another brand new Star, Star Wars, Wars Minute. Wars Minute. Bye. Bye.